0: Are you ready? It's the time!
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and Ian. To the latest episode of Man Buns and Jesus, um, my name is Pastor Josh Laborious. I'm a pastor out in uh, Eastvale, California, and the gentleman here on the podcast with me today, um, and every time we do this, because we're both gluttons for punishment, is Pastor Ben Olschlager, pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lake Orion, Michigan. How you doing this morning, Ben?
0: Uh, well, it's one o'clock in the afternoon for me here, so the coffee's wearing Whoa. off. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty good today, Josh. Um, I, unlike Josh, did not uh, go to the National Youth Gathering this year, so if it sounds like Josh is just absolutely uh, on the on the doorstep of death for most of this episode, it's probably because he's recovering from that. You got back yesterday, I'm assuming? Oh, no. I got back this morning. Oh, you got back this morning. Wow. I, I pulled into my
1: apartment complex
0: at 1230 in the morning. Okay. God bless you, sir. <laughs> it's Anyway, good. it's good. Sleep's overrated, right? <laughs> so, Josh is recovering, um, and we thought we'd give ourselves a nice softball of a topic this morning, afternoon, depending on what part of the country you're in, to... Uh, yeah. To talk about today, um, and I heard this story come out of the youth gathering that uh, I don't I don't know if you've heard this one or not, but that uh, there was this secret cabal of, of people running the youth gathering that are secretly trying to encourage uh, LCMS pastors to lose weight by continually holding these things in the deep south in the middle of July. Um. Because if you want to lose weight, what better way than to walk around outside in 115 degree heat and 90 percent humidity? Um, so uh, none of that is actually true, but it is an example. Well, of what we're going well, to talk losing
1: about. weight by going to the gathering is a reality.
0: <laughs> that that's true. That is true. Whether it's
1: it's actual weight or just water weight, you do lose weight. <laughs> but anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So that, me saying that was purely an example of what we're going to be talking about today that is conspiracy. Hi, Chris. He says hi. Um,
1: She's bringing me coffee because she's a saint.
0: Yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, So we're going to talk conspiracy today. Um, And we're not going to dive into any specific conspiracies um, because it would take eight episodes plus to get through some of them like an individual one would take up to eight episodes to dive into um and we just don't have the time for that today uh so instead we're going to kind of talk more generally about conspiracies um why they're so prevalent in modern culture um what makes them so dangerous um and then finally like how we as christians should approach things that are uh, considered or even thought to possibly be conspiracy. Um, That way we can engage with some of these things that have become real cultural problems um, and real cultural issues and do our best to uh, speak to them faithfully. Josh is feverishly scribbling down notes here. It's almost like we're yeah. forming a plan for this episode or something.
1: I, well, I can't trust that ideas are going to stay in my head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> first things first, Josh, uh, as a pastor, um, have you had someone come up to you at, at any point in your ministry? And now you're, you're probably what, just over a year into your time at, at Edgewater? A, a
1: year and three days. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Um, in your year in three days, have you had someone come up to you and start to uh, discuss as true something that you would consider to be a conspiracy theory?
1: Um, yes, but to my knowledge, not seriously. Okay. Like, if you spent any time, well, at least back in my day... If you'd spend any time with high schoolers or middle schoolers, a lot of jokes get made about the Illuminati. And it's most of those kids don't genuinely believe in the Illuminati, but they make jokes about it. So like I've had people make jokes to me, at least what I think were jokes, what I received as jokes, um, conspiracy theories, uh, and, and they were, you know, saying whatever about whatever. What I will say is before I was a pastor, um, but still during COVID, I had a gentleman um, who was very convinced that the COVID vaccine was the mark of the beast and a whole bunch of other stuff and it was a conspiracy of the devil, I guess it's, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not going to go into like that. We're not, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole today, but like, that's it. When, when I think of conspiracy theories, that's the one that I'm like, that's, that's something that's, that's one of them. How about you, Ben? Do you have, do you have any, uh, people who have seen through the illusion they've looked behind the curtain
0: (laughs) um i mean absolutely um i will withhold whether things happened here at church or just in in the world around us but i've heard more than a fair few conversations about um a lot of the political conspiracies rolling around today don't need to get in specifics there, you know exactly what i'm talking about by just me mentioning that. Um, I think back to what was that, our first or second year of seminary uh, when we would get those like super apocalyptic prediction. Uh, conspiracy emails at the seminary help desk. Do you remember I those.
1: Vaguely remember that yeah
0: yeah. We would have people send us emails thinking, "Oh, this is the seminary's help desk. They probably need to know this." Uh, and they'd send us their very uh, detailed but not well thought out predictions for how the end of the world was coming, and like it included a lot of conspiracy theories about uh, who different people were in in modern life and whether they were uh, particular figures from revelation um you know steve jobs was a uh, a popular one at that point he hadn't passed yet and there was a lot of blame thrown his way for for things um which
1: and and here's and here's i think one of the things with conspiracy theories in general i think with a lot of them there is a maybe a grain of truth that has grown out of control right like using the steve jobs example I think one one could pretty easily argue there are a fair number of negative things in the world in society that he is at least on some level responsible for right for encouraging certain elements of our materialism or or whatever right so there's there's a little bit of truth to that but to say it was done with malicious intent to de- to say he was some sort of evil mastermind like you're taking that grain of truth and you're making it into, into a freaking beach. Okay. Um, And I, I, and this is, this is getting to one of the questions you introduced. Right. And that is where, where kind of do conspiracy theories come from? Why do we, why have they become so much bigger? And I think, and this is speculation, right? I don't have, I can't prove this. I don't really think this is provable because you would need, you know, a second Earth as like a control. And anyway, I think one of the things is what what the information age has done, what the Internet has done and specifically how quote-unquote easy it is to become an expert in something, an expert. I'm doing air quotes for those of you listening um, but not watching. It's become very easy for someone to feel like they're very, like it's easy for someone to get a lot of information, but there is no gatekeeper to the knowledge, right? Which me, and we say, well, that's good that everyone can get the knowledge. On some level, it, like it sounds good, but the reality is if there is no gatekeeper to the knowledge, there is no one making sure that the information is sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of a case uh, and an example that I think I'm pretty comfortable using is Ben and I went through what is one of the most academic rigorous seminary programs in the country. Okay. We went through three years of, of theological, philosophical, practical classroom instru- instruction and one year of, of, for lack of a better way to put it, internship, right? We know our stuff and, and what they strive to do at the seminary is to help you develop a lens. So they're not just giving you information, they're, giving, they're, they're equipping us with a way to filter information with with kind of a lens to look and say how valid is this but on the flip side you can become ordained with about 30 minutes and 50 bucks online
0: i think it's five bucks and five minutes if you do it through the unitarian universalist church
1: oh great (laughs) okay and what that has done is you have people who are calling themselves quote-unquote pastors who have absolutely no theological expertise and they have no lens with which to look at theologians or or commentators or or anything and they have no no lens to look at it and say what is the validity of this other than their opinion and their gut okay and that's the realm of theology but i think you can you can argue that applies to everywhere there's a conspiracy somewhere along the line there are people who are woefully unqualified who have developed quote unquote credentials because this is the age of information and now their word is taken as as fact Mm -hmm. but i think what has supported that is the fact that there are large conspiracies that have been that have come out Right, you have things like the Watergate scandal, you have things like some of the information that like the Snowden leaks right you have these big caches of information of. Of things that before the information came out would have been called a conspiracy, so you have all of these people who can. I'm going to call it what it is can pretend to be experts and then you have a few cases where conspiracies turned out to be true giving validity to them because you can't just say that could never happen because, you know, you might've said the same thing about some of the things that Edward, Edward Snowden leaked. And the reality is it did happen and it could happen. So I think that's why in, in today's age, conspiracies are so numerous and they, and they thrive. Mm -hmm. And, And I think those two things are part of what's created this condition where we don't trust anyone and at the same time we pick some really weird people to trust.
0: (laughs) I think you're absolutely right on, on both of those points, both that, like it's easy to call yourself an expert and it's easy to access information that kind of confirms either something that you already like a branch. You've already started something that you're already thinking, or, um, that supposedly gives you insight into something that you're trying to gain insight on, even if that insight isn't wasn't necessarily what you were looking for. Um, and as you were talking about information there, my head went back to the fact, and I'm guessing your high school probably operated the same way mine did. But uh, Wikipedia, when you were writing papers in high school, Wikipedia was not allowed to be a source that you cited, right? Uh-huh. And I love, I love that that's the, the case because uh, Wikipedia is one of the most thoroughly vetted information sites on the internet. Yes. But, with, but within academics, it's still considered not good enough.
1: Yeah, which has always been interesting because for those of you who aren't familiar with Wikipedia's origins, it's essentially an open source attempt at an encyclopedia right the the core effort of Wikipedia is not everybody has the the ability to purchase you know thousands of dollars of books from Britannica or one of these other older encyclopedia companies or, or has the the access to an academic library where where they would exist, so they have kind of this public this open source self regulating encyclopedia which On one level, I think it's reaching the point, especially for like maybe high school research papers where it's good enough for you to do your your research on, you know, what was the impact of the French Revolution, right? Like Wikipedia can probably help you there. I, I do also understand the hesitancy in academia because the reality is you can go like the... We can go edit stuff
0: on Wikipedia. Right. There, again,
1: there's no gatekeeper for the information. And while I'm I am certain that incorrect information is, is frequently spotted and corrected by people who do know what they're doing, um, there's no real gar- there, there's no like there's no guarantee that it's been through that. Mm-hmm right whereas if a book gets published before it's published everything said in the book is thoroughly vetted and then it's pub. and like you can't go back and change it because it's printed i mean you i guess you could take a sharpie to it but then people are going to look at your encyclopedia where you cross things out in sharpie and say wow you're an insane person
0: i mean it is it is worth noting that like when errors are found in in a lot of published works by more reputable you know publishing houses and that kind of thing they'll issue retractions and and update editions of books uh so that they actually contain the accurate information that they need to hold Um, and
1: so that they can sell the second edition of the book
0: no there's that too but um is that a conspiracy theory is that a conspiracy theory uh no I think that's just a conspiracy. I think uh <laughs> obs- obsoletism within uh consumerist society is companies absolutely companies want to continue to make money. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> I was never mind. Anyway, um so as as I'm looking at this too, I think I'm also kind of approaching it from this from a perspective of people want to be in the know, right? So it's not just a, we have access to information that may or may not be good. And it's not just a, um, people can make themselves experts and, and set themselves up as experts with very little effort um, when they may have no clue what they're talking about. But I think there's there's a receptivity to it within our society that, also helps contribute to the problem, um, because like like you said, we've seen some pretty jaw dropping amounts of information plop down in our in our society in the last several decades. You know, Watergate, a great example. Um, the uh, WikiLeaks stuff, another great example, um, or even something as simple as like the uh there was a leak a couple years ago basically confirming what everybody had suspected and that after a certain amount of time apple kind of um writes into the programming of their operating systems that certain aged products are going to go obsolete um so even if it's working fine once you update to a certain operating system it just poops out and it's done um like everybody kind of knew that was happening, but that when that actually came out, it hurt, hurt Apple's credibility quite a bit uh, for people within the, the tech sector. Because um, it was now finally out in the open that, hey, this does actually happen. Um, but like when you see those things, you must you, like it encourages you to ask yourself, where else am I being lied to or where else are people hiding things from me? Uh, And it makes it so that when you see these pieces of information that come from questionable or uh, not credible sources, um, it's a lot easier to take them and say, aha, I kind of had my suspicions about this thing or this person or this movement or whatever. Um, And that does a lot. That does a lot. So as I think we've pretty clearly defined you know why conspiracies are are so attractive at this point um and i guess we should also clarify the difference between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory um cuz we're talking conspiracy theories as a bad thing here conspiracies totally exist
1: um yeah and and how i and you can correct me if you're thinking a different distinction but how i would make the distinction is if i'm thinking conspiracy it's it strides by a group that has something that kind of is forcing them to to keep activities secret um i'm thinking like apple and mm-hmm. non-disclosure agreements or or like something as simple as um military boot camp where recruits can't bring their cell phones or you know high ranking military operations where the the secrecy of the group is kind of paramount to their security to whatever um
0: or even perhaps the most obvious example would be like conspiracy to commit murder like that, the crime of conspiracy—you yeah. have the you're, plan in place, and that there's intent there.
1: So you're making plans, and it's and and they're hidden, they're secret, they're whatever. I, I'm sure that the actual definition is something along those lines. Um, yeah. A conspiracy theory is like stringing together a bunch of different stuff with little to no actual evidence that it's going on and then saying that it's going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's like a conspiracy without any evidence for it. Um, and, and my, my argument is always like, people, people suck at lying and, and secrecy. Like, like people don't get me wrong. I think the average person lies more than any of us would like to admit. As as Doctor Doofenshmirtz famously sang in Phineas and Ferb, lies are the glue that holds society together. Um,
0: it's a, a great, great song.
1: If you have <laughs> a if you have a chance, search it up on YouTube. I'm sure it's it's worth your time. Um, but people suck at lying. If, the, if I mean, most people can they can pass off one lie. But if they gotta lie again about the same thing, like most people, they get their stories mixed up. They get they don't. Like I, I was actually on on the flights for the gathering. I was reading a book called "Telling Lies" by Paul Ekman. He's a he's a um, a researcher who um, he he's studied very thoroughly, like the human ability to lie, and and he did it more in a sense of like he was working on behalf of people who most specifically people who struggle from suicidal tendencies, who are in um, secure facilities and they're getting interviewed for whether or not it's safe to let them go home on a weekend to see their family. And it's, it's really important to know whether or not that person is lying because if they're lying about being in a good in an okay place mentally, you're, and you're letting them go home unsupervised like that's that's a very dangerous thing for someone who's really struggling with their suicidal tendencies at that at that point in their life. OK, so that's where his research comes from. But if, if you read about it, he's talking about all of the things that go into successfully lying because you have to control your emotions. You have to control uh, almost subconscious facial expressions. You have to be able to be consistent with your lie, but not. Um, not scripted with your lie because if you say the exact same thing every time, it flags because memory doesn't work like that. If, if you're telling a story from recollection, it's going to be a little bit different every time you tell it, um, which as a side note, gives some credibility to the Gospels because it's from four, people's, four different people's perspective. If they were lying, it would all say the same thing, um, mm-hmm. but the fact – anyway – So all of this goes in, and and after he goes through all this, he says, the reality is for someone to be a truly excellent liar, they almost have to be on some level sociopathic. Because there are some, some aspects of the human psyche that need to be broken to lie exceedingly well. Okay, And I say all of this to say this. For especially for some of these huge conspiracies, like you're putting a lot of faith in a lot of people to lie and keep a secret. And the reality is, in my experience, people are not good at that unless there is something binding them to it. OK, so like a non-disclosure agreement where the cost of, of letting secrets out is going to be, you know, millions of dollars. That's adequate motivation. But some of these some of these conspiracy theories that i just i can't really buy at all a big reason for that is like what is their motivation for lying it, it's there are people who say that christianity is is a conspiracy theory and i'm like what was these disciples motivations for propagating this lie Qu- this quote-unquote lie right they all died terrible deaths they were poor like as part of the doctrine they were putting forward, like they suffered, they like, they weren't having a good life. They weren't, there was no one putting a, like a knife in their ribs over. It It was like, (laughs) there was nothing to, to force this lie. So that's, that's one of the, just the things I can't, people can't lie, especially in groups. I don't even know what got me there, but that's a tangent.
0: There you go. I mean, It's relevant. Like, you're right, there has to be. One of the things that makes conspiracy theories so dangerous, I think, and you're kind of getting at this, is the fact that it is just a house of lies. And because you're relying on on people to convey the same lie in the same way over and over and over again to, to spread the theory and because we're human and we suck at lying and the because there's no foundation for the original lie that lie can just grow exponentially right um i'm thinking of the VeggieTales uh classic the, the fib rumor monster weed. the rumor no, going, weed yeah yeah the rumor weed so like the the original rumor um i don't even remember what the original rumor was somebody can drop it in the comments um and so there's an original rumor and the weed starts out this tiny little thing um a few inches high and every time that the rumor gets spread something kind of adds to it and it continues to grow and grow and grow And eventually Larry boy has to come in and save the day because the rumor weed has grown to the size of a a water tower. And at that point, even he can't stop the rumor weed. The only thing that can actually stop the rumor weed is the original source of the rumor, then Junior Asparagus, by the way, coming out and saying this whole thing was a lie. And at that point, the rumor weed finally disappears.
1: Well, there's a very similar VeggieTales episode with a fib. And it starts with the little fib, and then every time he tells the lie again and again and again, the fib gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's also the size of a water tower, destroying everything. And I think it's, I think it's finally defeated by him telling the, the original truth. There's some, there's some repetition there.
0: Yeah, if Phil Vischer ever, ever watches this episode, uh, get better.
1: No, no. You're fine how you are. Those were great. Those are both classics. (laughs) It's not his his fault that human vice is repetitive.
0: That's fair. Um, Um, But conspiracy kind of grows in the same way. And because there's no foundation for it, there's no basis for it, it grows unchecked. And that's part of what makes it so dangerous. Um, I mean, we've already talked about how these things are appealing. And then because they have this ability to grow and become more problematic, the The longer they exist um you have that that you know nice double threat of both being something appealing and attractive and being something dangerous,
1: yeah, and I think at this point it's it's probably good, it's probably appropriate for us to um for us to talk about how we should handle these as Christians um and I think the very the very foundation of how I think we should start to talk about this is in the eighth commandment um, you you shall not bear false testimony against your neighbor and a, a a way that we kind of Jesus kind of talks about this a little bit in his Sermon on the Mount, and i I suspect it's Luther. I don't I don't actually know where this comes from, but kind of the way this gets built into how do we live um virtuously? How do we live a sanctified life is we're called to give the people around us the the benefit of the doubt. Um we the you'll hear um I think you'll you'll hear a lot of seminarians just do it like this and it's almost like a quick little reminder. Um, is best construction, put the best construction on things. So even in these instances of conspiracy, as Christians we're called to build up the reputation of our our neighbor to not believe slander um, and and to generally assume the best of our neighbor. And I know it's hard because a lot of times, like the evidence mounts of someone just being a terrible person. But we're still called to to assume the best, um, and, and and I think a really easy example is we look to the federal government, and you can feel—I I know a lot of people feel very strongly about either side, and and here is the reality: I think to to faithfully look at you know. The what, what is it? The, the few hundred people in Washington who are who are under this kind of. They're always on TV. Um, regardless about how you feel about the other side, I think our our fundamental stance should be, I genuinely believe they're trying to do what is right. And I may disagree, I think. I, and And you can say, you know, I think their sense of what is right is skewed. But, like, we're called to put the best construction on things, and I and you can correct me if, if I'm just justif- self-justifying or something here. I do think there reaches a point where, like, um, you have to be incredibly naive, and I don't know if that is, is good either, right? Benefit of the doubt doesn't mean be stupid. Right. If someone is charging at you with a knife, you don't say, oh, I'm sure they're just going they're they're going to, you know, carve up a, uh, some turkey behind me for lunch. Right. You should make the assumption that this person charging at you with a knife means harm and and uh, react accordingly. Right. So. I think there's, there's a line, I can't tell you where it is. I think it's contextual, but I do think there's a line where it's like, give them the benefit of the doubt, but you don't have to be an idiot about it.
0: Yeah. I I think your, your example there is, is, is good. Uh, Looking at, at government and looking at the, the frustrations that a lot of people have with the way that government operates. um. I think within that construction, and you are—I'm—I'm ninety-nine percent sure that you're right. That it is Luther within the Eighth Commandment explanation, talking about putting the uh, speaking best about your neighbor, um, or lifting up your neighbor in the eyes of others. Um, I, I think within that idea of putting the best construction on something, though, we're also allowed to just call a sin a sin, right? So that doesn't that. The naivete part of it, right? We don't need to be naive of faults or character flaws or sins within a person, right? Um, We can believe that somebody we disagree with is doing what they think is best for their constituency, for the country, etc. While at the same time thinking that what they're doing is absolutely sinful. And so I I think you're you're absolutely right that like as we look at this idea of conspiracy theories, right? We need to remember that as Christians, the majority of these things are just pure slander, right? They are almost completely baseless. There's often like, like Josh said, that thread of truth, which does not lead to near the, you, know, uh, the the conclusions that some of these theories draw. Um, what's a safe conspiracy theory that we can get to here? Um, moon landing.
1: I really hope so.
0: All right, cool. So for those of you who don't believe that NASA landed on the moon um you might want to turn this podcast off now (laughs) because they absolutely did um (laughs) and there's multiple ways to prove that um but like within the conspiracy of the moon landing thing there's like if you look at one of the things that that NASA encountered on the moon, and you say, "Oh, they couldn't have landed on the moon because they weren't expecting this. This didn't play out the way that they were that it's supposed to." By whatever, um, one example, MythBusters tested it—the um, flag that NASA planted on the moon, um, and the way that it kind of fluttered, even though it was in a vacuum. Uh, MythBusters just proved that the uh you know vibrations in a space can cause a flag to flutter like that even if it's you know in a vacuum or in a place like the moon uh having a a running motor vehicle would have been close enough and created enough vibration for a flag to flutter like that even within a vacuum um also noting that they're in significantly less gravity so that helps point there well, being though I, yeah like backing it up a little bit the the level of dishonesty that it requires to say that there was this massive conspiracy to fake the moon landing there are thousands of people that worked on the uh, spacecraft the technology the the programming um the site that they launched from um all of these different things that contributed to the moon landing And so to uphold this conspiracy theory is to slander each and every one of them.
1: Because you have to call them all on some level, at least liars.
0: Exactly. And so when we, when we uphold conspiracy theories about other things, especially the, 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 more recent ones generally tend to be about either politics or, uh, corporations and industries, um, we are slandering thousands of people that find themselves working within those industries or who work within those political organizations. Um,
1: Which as a side note has always, has always boggled my mind. I am, I am a firm believer in the statement, never assume malice or Never assume malice uh, when incompetence could be like. I, what-
0: <laughs> I know the phrase you're going for. What yeah. is it? Never assume malice when incompetence could suffice as an answer. I there's a there's a more eloquent way of saying that, but you're right. That's that's the demo. Yeah. Thing I-
1: well, and we assume all of these like master super villain evil plans, but like if you think about it, most corporations. They have one purpose and it is to make money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like we look for all these hidden subversive whatever's and it's like, nope, I'm pretty sure they're just looking for the most efficient way to make money, which don't get me wrong, that can lead to them doing some, th- I think we talked about this at some point. Uh, I think we, it was like an episode on how far down the chain of production do you have to be worried about the ethical ramifications of, of whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: like, so like using cheap parts to put out a subpar product and marketing it as, as the best of the best. Yes, that is unethical. but it's not, I don't think it's some conspiracy theory to, to make sure you can't contact people at a certain time. No, it's a corporation trying to make sure their profits stay where they want them to be. Um, even with the, the planned obsolescence with, you know, with the cell phone crapping out. I don't think there was any malice in that. They weren't trying to hurt anybody. They were just trying to make sure they could keep making money. So that that's, everyone's not a supervillain, guys. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'd say most people aren't.
0: Yeah. So anything else on the yeah, go for it. I was just gonna say, like, so as Christians then, our call when we see conspiracy theories is first, like as we were just kind of talking about there, uh to consider who those conspiracy theories might affect, right? Because if you uphold those theories, then everyone attached to the evil those theories are, uh,
1: supposing, propagating.
0: Yeah, like could you could be slandering them, so that's that's something for us to consider. And then also, it's a lie to ourselves, right? If we if we uphold something as truth that isn't truth. It impacts the way we see the world. It impacts the way we see God's creation. And it impacts our ability to faithfully love and serve the neighbor. So when we hear these uh, perhaps too good to be true kind of theories and conspiracy theories, we better be testing the snot out of them before we take them as gold. Because when we don't, it impacts our worldview. We're suddenly lying to ourselves about the way the world operates. Like if they aren't true, we're lying to ourselves about the way the world operates. And that makes it harder for us to actually live the life we're called to as, as citizens of the kingdom of God.
1: Yeah, and what, what you're saying brings up two thoughts for me. The, the first is, you know, you talk about considering the people involved and, and that but also consider why it matters. Right? Because in reality, for most conspiracy theories, it should not change how you act toward people. What and the the crazy part is is it shouldn't change how you act toward people, whether or not they're true. Mm-hmm. Because as Christians, we are called to, to show love and kindness and compassion and grace and mercy to our neighbor, even if they are evil. We are called to turn the other cheek. We are called to to be paragons of, of the, the virtues that Christ embodied. So I think even with a lot of these conspiracy theories, our, our response can be, so what? Even if it were to be true, I would still be called to do the same thing I'm doing—to love my neighbor, to live faithfully in my vocations, you know. Um, and the other thing that I think a lot of conspiracy Christians who who are big on conspiracy theories might hold on to is this: you're forgetting a kind of critical detail. And that is that God is in control, right? No one's, no one's sly enough to get something beyond his watch. And if he needs to intervene, he will. So when, when people get all bent out of shape and they're, they're panicking and they're losing their minds over conspiracy theories. It, I think maybe the best place for us to stand is we got to remind them that Christ is preeminent, Christ is in control, he is ruling, he is reigning, and and God is going to take care of what he needs to take care of. So, you know, I, I think it's okay for maybe you to speculate about conspiracy theories every once in a while. Um, I do. There, there. Sometimes I look at things. I look at news, and I'm like, I don't know if that's really what's going on here. But that's where it stops, because we are called to build up our neighbor. We're called to act in love and kindness and mercy to our neighbor, regardless of what's going on. And the reality is, if something's really that bad, God's gonna make, God's gonna take care of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, we, we don't have a God who's just kind of sitting and watching us scurry around with no care for his creation. We have an active living God who, who will take care of us. Um, his who justice take care of, will prevail. Yeah. Right. And in however many years, whether it's, you know, tomorrow or whether it's a million years from now, when Christ comes again and we're all, um, when all the faithful are are called to him and we're celebrating in God's perfect new creation, we're not going to care about any of this stuff. So maybe, maybe a little bit more of that perspective would help, would help us. I'm there. I'm there. We've agreed a suspicious amount on this podcast. That's a conspiracy right there. There's yes. a, there's a hidden third party that's forcing both of our hands. If my Bible was still sitting next to me on my desk, I would have hold it up. But it's still in my backpack from the gathering. <laughs> a suspicious third party. I got you. It's the Jesus book.
0: It is the Jesus book. Anyway, right. I'm, I'm becoming
1: dangerously incoherent. So, yeah, let's do takeaways. <laughs> um, I, I think my takeaway is that, you know, with conspiracies, with the conspiracy theories, just remember that none of that changes how you are called to act toward your, your brothers and sisters and your neighbors as Christians. Um, and maybe maybe you do something every day to remind yourself that God's in control no matter what's going on. Um, for those of you who watch the news a lot, I would encourage you maybe maybe print it out and tape it to the top of your TV like God is in control. Just so every time the news starts getting you, getting you crazy, you can just look up on your TV and be reminded. Or, you know, if you're classy and you don't want to have a strip of paper taped to your TV, maybe you get one of those like vinyl things and you put it nice on your wall in a pretty font and it says God is in control.
0: Or, or that's, get, your, uh, get yourself or your mom or your grandma or somebody that you know that does those, uh, what are they called? Needlepoint. Yeah. Those are classy. Those are classy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ben? What's your takeaway? Other than um, something about Needlepoint. <laughs>
0: I think my big takeaway is just to remember the impact, right? Um, we like to think of our lives as, as being in a vacuum. And especially when things like um, conspiracies come up, we need to remember that, you know, the belief in a conspiracy theory, um, the lie that conspiracy theories often are uh, impacts more people than just yourself or you know the handful of people who that conspiracy theory is reacting against but it also impacts you know hundreds if not thousands of people who uh, find themselves connected to that industry business political party etc yeah so just remember that the 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 spectrum of of people impacted by that theory is a lot more considerable than you'd expect josh prayer thoughts
1: prayer thoughts for today um pray just i guess pray for the world at large Um, and if there is something that is troubling you something that maybe maybe would be in the ballpark of a conspiracy conspiracy theory i would encourage you to just pray about it Cause God will take care of it and, and, and pray that he would give you, um, hope and trust in your heart, um, in, in his work. And the other, the other thing I would, uh, and this is unrelated to the podcast, but related to my mental state in the podcast, um, pray for all of the kids and all of the leaders and all of the chaperones coming back from the national youth gathering that, um, That first of all, that their takeaways would stick with them and that their faith would continue to grow. Um, Pray for the families who are receiving emotionally and physically drained kids who are going to want to hear. Right. And if you're a parent, this is some wisdom that my dad gave me to pass on to parents of my group that. Your kid has just been through a, a very physically, emotionally, mentally draining experience. Don't pepper with them with questions the first day. Like today, if they got home last night or if they're getting home today, let them chill. Let them rest, let them, you know, whatever. Let them kind of, they they have to organize everything that just went on and they they have to kind of integrate it and and figure out and, and kind of settle everything in their head. So give them a couple days and then I am sure they will be happy to tell you stories and to talk about everything that they experienced at the gathering. But they might take it might take a little bit. So pray, pray for those kids, pray for the families, and pray that the gathering wouldn't be, you know, we did the gathering, but now, you know, we're not gonna go to church for four months. Pray that it would lead them into kind of continuing faith development. So those are the prayers for today. Um, and shameless plugs for the day. <laughs> this is Man Buns and Jesus. Uh so we we ask, um, subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen on. Um, it's not a huge deal to us how many subscribers we have, but it, it does mean, it gives us a little bit of validation that, that people are consistently listening, and that's kind of cool. But what's more is if we release other content, you get to see it. And uh, and some of it we don't announce. We just kind of put out and, and let it sit there. Um, and we do have a Facebook page. You are welcome to like it. We don't do a ton on it. It's mostly there. So if you want to come on the show or you want to propose a, a topic and you don't personally know either of us, you can do that. You just throw out, uh you message that Facebook page or you post it uh, and tag that Facebook page and we'll see it and we'll add it to our growing list of topics and um, or and or guests because um, no matter who you are, we'd love to have you on the podcast and, and have a conversation. So um, I think that's all the shameless plugs I have. Yeah.
0: Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.